Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell on this Friday. Colby, we had people uh, tweeting at us wondering where this podcast was, but we uh, we are taping a little later in the week, but we got, we got a lot to get to today. Well, sometimes you want to wait and tape a little bit later in the week because sometimes news is continuing to get dumped every day. I mean, the, the landscape of college sports is changing daily, hourly. I mean, tweets, sources, who knows who actually knows what. But, uh, yeah, things are really heating up in terms of realignment. It really is seemingly changing by the day, by the hour. We'll talk about that. The preseason poll and all Big 12 first team is out as well. We'll get to that as well. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's. And, man, before you know it, football season will be here. We're in mid-July. Big 12 media days will be next week. So things are heating up in terms of college football. And, and I know Chris's will be heating up once – you know, fans embark upon Stillwater. So thanks to Chris's for sponsoring the pod as always. All right, Colby, we, uh, we read uh, the last rights to the PAC 12 last week, and we were curious to see how quickly the big 12 was going to act. You know, they've been so reactive in the past. It was curious to see if the new commissioner was going to be proactive. And it appears he's been very aggressive according to multiple reports, including Dennis Dodd from CBS sports and the schools they're targeting make a lot of sense. Arizona, Arizona State, two schools I've been saying for 10 years, the Big 12 should just pluck, you know, for Nebraska and A&M to just up and leave. I thought the Big 12 should have done something about it. And, you know, Arizona and Arizona State aren't charter members of the Pac-10 slash Pac-12. They came into it late. They're not as entrenched. They make a lot of sense. And the other two schools make sense geographically with BYU and Colorado and Utah. So, Colby, I ask you, what do you make of uh, the latest news on that? Yeah, sounds to me like you said, like the new commissioner wants to be a little proactive, which is a good thing. I mean, the Big 12 can't just sit around and wait for everybody else to do things and then just kind of be left out in the cold. We've seen that happen in the past where it's just a reactive conference. I mean, look, things are, are, are shaping up for the Big 10 and the SEC to really be the two big powers. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's going to be what that's going to be. They've got the money. They've got Bama. They've got Ohio State. I get it. They're, you know, SEC is adding OU in Texas. I get it. They're going to they're gonna ha- have two powers. Now, the problem is, and, and you talked about this on Twitter the other day, the teams that are already in those conferences, I mean, none of that is merit-based as far as athletics go. I mean, Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Vanderbilt is in the SEC. And a school like Oklahoma State, which is pretty well-rounded across the board athletically, is going to end up getting left out it seems like, of those two big conferences. Uh, But you could still position yourself to be one of the big dogs of the schools that are outside those two because even if they go to those two, Carson, I don't know that we end up in a situation where is it just going to be those two conferences playing for a national championship? I I can't imagine that the Big Ten and the SEC would just say, okay, yeah, we'll take our conference champion, match them against your conference champion. That's the national champion. The rest of the schools can do what they want, uh, and we'll just leave them in the dust. I I can't imagine that that develops. So I do think that Oklahoma State could position themselves to be one of the best of the rest alongside, you know, 
whoever else sticks around, Oregon, uh, one of those. Baylor seems like they're on the up with football with Dave Aranda and some of the money that they're investing uh, in their program. Cincinnati, who knows they, how long they can keep Luke Fickle. There's going to be some schools on the outside looking in at those big two conferences. But if the Big 12 could position itself at three, then that would go a long way uh, toward keeping all of these schools relevant nationally, especially whenever it comes to football. And if you want to firmly position yourself at three, yeah, I think that you need to solidify your conference with a few more schools. Uh, we're seeing last year, a couple years ago, and this year, Carson, it is poach or be poached in college sports. Yeah, that's where we are now, and I, I think you make a good point. It, it Basically what this is is it's a race to become the third most powerful conference in, between the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC. And you know who's just Obviously, the Pac-12 is in dire straits, but the ACC is as well because their their TV deals signed till like 2036. They're pretty much locked in, and uh, there are a lot lot of legal details to work out if Clemson were to want to go to the SEC, which those rumors are out there. But you're right; it's a race to become the third most powerful conference. And who would have thought, Colby, a, a year ago this time, we thought the Big 12 was going to disband, and now they're on firmer footing, it seems, than the Pac-12 in the ACC. And I think in, in line with that, the ACC and the Pac-12, there was a report from Ross Dellinger that they're, those two conferences are trying to work out a TV deal with their current ACC deal, which, I again, I think that's the Pac-12 just trying to piece things together. I don't even think they would – they would earn probably less money doing that because the ACC network would take a cut, ESPN would take a cut, and whatever was left would go to the Pac-12. So I think they're – they're really grasping at straws. And besides, Colby, who wants to watch a pillow fight amongst the remaining Pac-12 schools and the ACC? I mean, other than Clemson, Miami's going to get better under Mario Cristobal. But other than those two, that conference is terrible. Just as bad as the Pac-12, if not worse. I mean, who, who's watching that pillow fight, Colby? Yeah, I mean, the ACC has names that used to be great, uh, but haven't been in a long time. Florida State, Miami. Miami, I think, has a chance to get back there because NIL is really lending itself uh, towards some of the big money that is being thrown around in that area of the country right now. So I think Miami can, can get back with, with the NIL stuff and getting some top-name recruits. I also think Cristobal was a great hire. Florida State, I really don't don't know that they're going to to get back to what they were at one time. And I know those were your Seminoles, Carson. Where, where's Florida State going to wind up in all this? Is are yeah. they still considered, Carson? And I ask you, our resident Florida State expert, are they considered a power at this point? Like, does that name still carry enough relevance that maybe they wind up in one of the big two? Because I I think they're a little bit of a wild card. Yeah, and I, I think they're kind of in a similar boat, not as bad as Miami. You know, Miami has no fans. I mean, they're they're kind of like USC. It's a private school. Their fan base is all over the country, and when they're not good, there's literally no one in the stands. They're not like that in terms of fan base. They have a great following, but they don't have the money. They're kind of – I mean, they have more money than Oklahoma State, but they're, they don't have near as much as Florida due to the, the TV contracts and and such. And I, as a Florida State fan, I'm a little concerned about the next 20 years in terms of Central Florida getting into the Big 12. I think you could really see Central Florida start to really impact Florida State, maybe even surpass, because you just look at the alumni base. They have the biggest student body in the country. They got 55,000 students at Central Florida. Florida State doesn't have that. 
I get it. They're in the capital of Tallahassee, which isn't a, isn't really a great capital city, but and they have tradition. But I, I do think Florida State would certainly appeal as a package deal with either Miami or Clemson or both to the SEC. Whether they'll do that, I don't know. But they certainly have enough tradition and brand recognition to get in there. But I am worried if they don't start winning like they used to, maybe not like they used to under Bobby Bowden. Those days might not be coming back at all. But at least Jimbo Fisher, who you know made BCS Bowls, won a national championship. But I think that's something that the Big 12 really struck gold early by getting UCF. Because I, I think they are really when – you, when you factor in that amount of student body and just program excitement, like that was a great gift for the Big 12. No, absolutely it was. And, and Florida State, the reason I kind of brought them up is because – I guess I don't really know exactly how we value all of these schools, right? And and I don't want to get caught up in such a Big 12 bubble and living in my Oklahoma State bubble that I overvalue what's happening in this point of the country because social media is a fascinating place, Carson. Anybody can get on there and they can just put out whatever is in their mind. And I saw, and I don't know if you saw it, but it was a, a Washington Huskies like blog or something of that nature that basically was tweeting out and was like, look, Big Ten would be great. You know, maybe the Pac-12 stays together. But otherwise, the Big 12 seems like a pretty good option because Washington would go in and immediately become an imminent power in that conference. And I'm like, are, are other people looking at us and thinking that we're as irrational about our program as that Washington blog is about the Washington Huskies if they think that they would walk in and be an imminent power in this conference? Because <laughs> – I don't know. I, I look at the Big 12 and I see a lot better football being played here than I see on either coast. Yeah, I think I think that's just how the nation perceives the entire conference, Oklahoma State included. Like, like they still just do not want to admit that the Big 12 is now the third best conference. That's why you get these these news stories about the Pac-12 and the ACC trying to come together and form. No one wants the middle of the country to be as strong as it is now. It's just, it, it baffles me. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it was really kind of infuriating, like the idea that someone's going to sit down and watch the remaining Pac-12 schools and the ACC play football over like a Baylor and Oklahoma State. And yeah, I think people vastly underrate Oklahoma State. And I, I, I don't think they are underrated in the eyes of people that have the TV numbers from the decision makers. Um, I don't think the Big Ten or the SEC is going to offer Oklahoma State a position. But what I do think is Oklahoma State's in prime position to be one of the powers of the Big 12. They're not afraid of Washington. They, they whooped the heck out of Washington in the bowl game years back with Mason Rudolph when really that wasn't even that great of a, an Oklahoma State team that year. That, that was the James Castleman game, by the way. Let's put some respect on his name. The, the check engine light game. I got that quote from him. That, that nice, the nice. Um, so no, it's, it's fascinating. I, I, what do you think of the schools though? I mean, Arizona, Arizona state, Utah and Colorado, those are three very mediocre football programs. And then Utah, who's basically Oklahoma state of the West, they don't get enough credit. They win huge Whittingham and Gundy's resumes are virtually identical. Um, I think Utah would be a great addition to keep BYU in the fold, but what do you think of uh, the other three? 
Yeah, I think Arizona State is kind of a national power uh, and has had some good things done in recent years. Uh, are we talking about golf? Oh, we're not talking about golf. Okay, yeah. Arizona State's golf program would be a nice addition. Let's get back to football. Uh, Utah, I think, would be a great addition. Kyle Whittingham, like you said, is, is very similar to Mike Gundy taking over a program, had a ton of success, but really kind of flies under the radar nationally. I think Utah is a very underrated football program nationally. The others, I think, are very pro- properly rated as mediocre. It's the perfect word to describe them. Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado, all three of those football programs, I I mean, they just kind of exist in in a world where nothing really seems to matter for those schools. And and that's probably, uh, you know, a little bit of bias for me on the outside looking in, but I don't know. I, I don't see Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. I don't see these schools investing in football, making football a priority. So what do they really bring to you in terms of uh, future TV contracts, which is how money gets handed out? I don't know. I mean, Colorado gets you the Denver market, which gets you into another TV market. That's a good thing. Utah gets you Salt Lake City. Uh, Arizona and Arizona State get you Phoenix. So you get some new TV markets there, which is important. But, yeah, I, I just don't know beyond that from a competitive standpoint what those schools aside from Utah bring you because I, I don't think that they really have shown an interest in making a serious commitment to football especially. Yeah, and I, I think Arizona and Arizona State make a lot of sense geographically basketball football look they're not great but arizona's been decent arizona state's been decent and they have big fan bases i'm I'm looking at big stadiums big fan bases and they have that and i think you know the temptation here is to add oregon and washington based on their their football programs and i certainly understand that but i i kind of like this better in terms of you stay out of the west coast market because that is what's killing the pac-12 the East Coast is asleep when they play football. They've tried to counteract that with 9 a.m. kickoffs. The Big 12 doesn't need any part of that. Um, I get how good Oregon is and Washington is. I just th- – that can ebb and flow. Look at Florida State. I mean, Oregon could make the wrong hire. If Dan Lanning falls on his face, now you're stuck with the West Coast time zone for two schools with them in Washington. I mean, that's certainly been thrown out there, too, to add them to those two schools in addition to the ones I mentioned earlier to make it a, an 18 team conference, that would, that would be a big move because the big 10 and sec are making big moves, but I, I, I want to stay as far away from the West coast time zone as possible. Yeah, I, I get that. And I'm kind of with you because that does make you very out of sight, out of mind. Oregon to me still holds a lot of value or Oregon has a lot of money. Obviously they've got the Nike money and, and Oregon to me still matters in the landscape of college football, especially. So that's the one that I think, even though the West coast kind of hurts you out of sight, out of mind, I think the value that Oregon brings probably outweighs that. So I would, I would be in on the ducks. I'd also be in on a trip to Eugene, by the way, uh, Marshall, if you're listening, that would be fun. Uh, you could sign me up for the trip. (laughs) But um, no, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. I, again, I think this new commissioner is aggressive, and that's what I wanted to hear. I think that's why he was hired. I don't think all the athletic directors made this hire lightly. They know the situation they're in, and they've been afforded a golden opportunity thanks to the Pac-12 being torn down to the studs. So that's something we'll, we'll continue to monitor all summer. We do have some uh, Big 12 news. The preseason poll is out. Colby and I did our polls last week. Um, I was a bit surprised, though. Baylor gets the most first-place votes with 17. They're first. Oklahoma is second with 12 first-place votes. Oklahoma State third with nine first-place votes. 
and then Texas fourth with two first place votes. And some jabroni gave Iowa State a first place vote there in sixth. But uh, were you were you surprised at all that Baylor was the pick? Uh, a little bit. I don't know. I guess probably part of that is the Lincoln departure, you know, new quarterback, all that stuff in Norman. It, it kind of defaults to OU, right? I mean, that's just what we see every year. Preseason poll comes out, OU's at one. Uh, I think that this is a testament to Dave Aranda and what people around the conference think about Dave Aranda, that he can potentially back up the the somewhat magical season that Baylor had a year ago. You know, they lost some things. Jalen Petre especially is going to be a big one. I, I do think that Blake Shapin has some potential on the offensive side. But, yeah, I think it's a testament to what people think about Dave Aranda. Uh, I, I was not surprised to see Oklahoma State come in behind those two schools. You know, we gave out our two early rankings about a month ago or so, and I had OSU at one because I think OSU's defensive front is just going to be just wreak such havoc that it's going to make things easier for every level of the defense. I think Oklahoma State is going to be a lead on that side of the ball once again so I'm just going to run them out there they've got the reigning uh first team all big 12 quarterback I know uh, a bunch of twitties want to get on their phones and type about how Spencer Sanders is trash and uh you know can can you bet the field for first team all big 12 quarterback and all that stuff Spencer Sanders is a really good football player. If him and Casey Dunn can figure out some more of the things that they were doing in Bedlam and against Notre Dame, he's going to be really good again this year. Uh, so I'm not surprised that Oklahoma State came in behind those two schools because Oklahoma State just – I mean, Oklahoma State would have to pair together a decade of consecutive 13-win seasons to get any respect anywhere. But, uh, no, I, I was okay with the poll. Uh, Baylor, OSU, and Texas uh, were my top three as well, just not in the same order, Carson. Yeah, I mean, I – I picked Baylor in my preseason poll. I mean, yeah. I, I would reiterate all the things you said about Dave Aranda. Like, look, he made – like, Spencer Sanders was great last year, like you said, and his, he had two really bad games against Baylor. But Baylor made Caleb Williams look like Trevor Knight when he wasn't playing Alabama. They made him look terrible. They did that to everybody, and that's Dave Aranda. Now, they did lose some key pieces on defense. I didn't – I didn't overlook all that, but, and shaping to me is a bit of an unknown. I mean, he's only played in five games, but he's got 72% completion percentage and a five to zero touchdown to interception ratio. So he he's clearly proven he can play. It's just, can he sustain that level for an entire season? That that's the big unknown for me with Baylor, but I, I just trust there's a lot of unknowns this year. I think that the poll reflects that. I just think the, the one main known we have here is, is Dave Aranda, and I put a lot of weight on that and a lot of respect on that. And schedules certainly matter as well. But um, I, I couldn't help myself. You know, Bob Ballou is a sports director in, in Austin, Texas. Great guy. I've gotten to know him over the years down at Big 12 Media Days. And I, I kind of poked some fun at his tweet. He, he went on the air and kind of explained why Texas was – he was one of the people that picked Texas, one of the two people that picked Texas to win the league. And his video kind of goes over all the reasons, and he, he makes some good cases with some of the skill talent they have. He, he's putting a lot of weight on Quinn Ewers, and he puts a lot of weight on Gary Patterson coming on the staff. But it's just, Colby, it's just an annual summertime tradition when people just try to talk themselves into Texas. And it just, if that tweet was something that I could inhale, I would have because it's the good stuff. Yeah, and what drives me crazy about it is eventually, at some point, Texas is going to have a good season, and then there's going to be somebody out there who's like, I told you in July that this was the year Texas was going to put it together, and I would love to go back and see if they told us that same thing the past 
13 Julys because every year there are people who just throw their money on Texas in July. Just, oh, look at that talent. Oh, look at the money, the tradition, the history. It's Texas. Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, no, I don't like their chances. It's Texas. And, and for me, that apparently does not ring out uh, the way it does for other people. I'm over that experiment. If it happens, so be it. It happens. But even if they do it once, Carson, I'm going to assume it's a fluke until Texas can put it together for multiple years. In past pods, I've talked so much uh, about how you know people want to make it out to be the best job in the country because of all the money. I'm like, yeah, all the money comes with all the headaches, too. The stories that have come out of there about the boosters and how micromanaging they are of the football program, you know, constantly needing meetings with the head coach and having their input on, on game plans and just all sorts of stupid stuff that should never happen happens at the University of Texas. And every year in July, a few people let it get overshadowed by the fact that, oh, they've got a, a big-time quarterback transfer coming in. Yeah, and Sam Ellinger was supposed to be the savior, and there have been a handful of other guys that were supposed to do it too. I will believe it when I see it. They lost to Kansas at home. <laughs> they lost to Kansas at home. That's such a great response to everything. They had I a just losing said. record. Like, I get they have a lot of returning skill talent, but where was that when they were losing to Kansas at home? Like, answer me that. You can't pick a team to win the league who lost to Kansas at home. Also, you know what that means, Carson, since they lost to Kansas at home last year, means that they have to make that tough trip to Lawrence this year. Something to keep an eye on. It's, I've said it for years. It's a weird trip. There's no one in the stands. It's hard to get up for. No one really plays well up there for those reasons. So you're right. They might lose back-to-back -back years to Kansas. Yeah. Kansas but, almost uh, beat OU last year in Lawrence. If, uh, yeah. who was it Caleb Williams that made the weird play where he like yeah, reached he, out and handed it to somebody? He stole the ball from Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks getting yes. tackled and went and just ripped the ball out of his hands and got the yep. first down. <laughs> yep, he did. lose that game. Yeah, so maybe maybe I should put some respect on Kansas' name, who, oh, by the way, has as many first-teamers on the All-Big 12 team as Oklahoma. Wild. Oklahoma Absolutely wild. only has a punter. And you mentioned it, Spencer Sanders. He was first-team All-Big 12 last year. He's preseason first-team quarterback that was met with some derision on Twitter. And, again, those people weren't paying attention other than the Big 12 championship game and, and the Baylor game because Spencer was, was great, and he's the obvious pick for this. And I think that's probably the main reason, Colby, you can tell me if I'm wrong, that you picked Oklahoma State to win the league. And I don't think that's a bad pick because, let's face it, this has always been a quarterback-driven league. The team with the best quarterback usually wins the conference. So I don't think that's a bad pick at all. Yeah, my primary motivation was the defensive front, and then my secondary motivation was Spencer Sanders. I, I know a lot of people don't because he's been mistake-prone throughout his career, but I believe in Spencer Sanders. I have seen growth in him as a quarterback throughout his career. Did he have two bad games, really bad games, against Dave Aranda last year? Yes, he did. We just spent five, ten minutes just doting all over Dave Aranda and how great he is and, and the the – media's picking Baylor to be the, the preseason favorite in the conference and all this stuff. Dave Aranda makes a lot of quarterbacks look silly, and Baylor had one of the best defenses in the country last year. Oklahoma State played 14 games. Spencer Sanders was really good last year. Spencer Sanders, uh, you know, had an unbelievable second half against Baylor. He was unbelievable against Notre Dame. I believe in Spencer Sanders, uh, and I don't really know who else you would default to put above him. Dylan, Dylan Gabriel, I think, is a, a good player. Now, how does he transition from non-Power 5 football to Power 5 football? You know, UCF's beaten a lot of teams 64 to 27. You're 
not going to be doing near as much of that in the Big 12. So Dylan Gabriel could end up being first team all Big 12. A lot of unknowns there. Quinn Ewers, a lot of unknowns there. Big time recruit, all the tools. He's playing down at Texas. Are we really going to vote the quarterback of a five or six win team as the first team all Big 12 quarterback? I don't know that we're going to do that, Carson. Adrian Martinez, not really at the level that you would think that he would win that award. So, uh, yeah, I think part of it was by default. There's not exactly a a Heisman Trophy favorite in the conference this year like there has been the last uh, nearly decade down in Norman. Uh, So part of it is by default because there's no just high, high high-level players at that position in the conference right now. Uh, And part of it is earned because Spencer Sanders had a great 2021. Yeah, and I think that's why the Big 12 team poll is what it is. There's just a lot of unknown throughout the conference, not just a quarterback, but but elsewhere. And uh, two defensive players from Oklahoma State made the team as well, Colin Oliver, who you love, and rightfully so, and, and Jason Taylor getting a lot of respect for all the plays he made last year. Yeah, Jason Taylor definitely deserved to be on that list, and uh, it was good to see because he's just – I mean, you talk about a big play guy. I mean, two of them in his career that just massively stand out. I'm talking about two football games that if not for an individual play made by Jason Taylor, Oklahoma State does not win the game. That's Kansas State with the scoop and score a couple of years ago whenever they were going to lose in Manhattan. And last year in Texas, the pick uh, the pick six when Oklahoma State was down 17-3, to three, was fixing to go down 20-3 to three if he doesn't make that catch and bring it back to the house there in the second quarter. He is a big play guy, and he's going to have his opportunities this year. No more Colby Harvell Peel, no more Trey Sterling on that back end. It's going to be the Jason Taylor show, uh, and I expect Oklahoma State to be strong in the secondary. Again, part of that, again, I think is a domino effect from the defensive front being so good, quarterbacks being so uncomfortable and having so little time to do things, especially on predictable passing downs, third and seven, third and eight, things like that. Uh, I think you could see Jason Taylor, who we know is a ball hawk. I think you could see him have a big year and uh, even potentially, uh, I think, be one of the nation's top interception guys, leaders in interceptions, uh, because quarterbacks are going to have to get rid of the ball quick if they don't want to be met by Colin Oliver, Trace Ford, uh, Tyler Lacey, and Brock Martin. Yeah, the latter two you just mentioned, Brock Martin, Tyler Lacey, will be at Big 12 Media Days, along with Spencer Sanders, quarterback getting some run, and Brennan Presley. Those will be the representatives next week at Big 12 Media Days, so we'll get to hear from those guys and everyone else around the Big 12. I noticed they did bring some quarterbacks this year. Adrian Martinez will be there. Uh, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma will be there. Uh, I think that's it for the quarterbacks, but there were a couple of years there where no quarterbacks came. Uh, Jalen Daniels from Kansas. If you want to talk to him, Colby, he'll be available. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Top it's, of my uh, list. it's always a fun time though, down in Dallas, we get you fired up for football season and uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for football season. So uh, did you see Boone Pickens stadium getting some new turf installed? I did. How about that? A little, a uh, little new carpet. In it's the, not in orange. The stadium. It's not it is orange. not orange. No, which is good. I you didn't want it to be orange, did you? I didn't. No, want it to be orange. I I was mostly just trolling. Yeah, I didn't want it to be orange. That that would have been uh, again. That's too small timey. I know some people like that. That's that's too Boise. Yeah, you do that when you're a small school to be flashy. Oklahoma State doesn't need that. Yeah, that's Mickey Mouse. But uh, it is pretty stark. Kevin Clintworth uh, in the athletic department tweeted out a photo of the new field going up and it is pretty stark to see how much greener the new turf is. That stuff gets worn out pretty fast, but Boone Pickens stadium going to be looking uh, bright and shiny come football season. Got some uh, basketball news here, Colby. Did you see uh, the huge commitment that Mike Boynton landed? I did. How about that? Big time for Mike Boynton. The, uh, the little domino video was nice. Yeah. Brandon Garrison. That's a, a big get for Mike Boynton who, 
we know basketball recruiting, it, it comes and it goes. The Bixby kid uh, decommitted a few weeks back. But, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Garrison from Dell City, 6'9". I mean, Dell City's six, put out nine. some really good players over the last several years. And I just – I love keeping the in-state talent. Uh, Oklahoma's really produced some really, really good players, uh, not only over the short term, but over the long term. And uh, I love keeping the best player – like I want the best player in Oklahoma every single year. And Mike Boynton's making a, a habit of doing that. So he's uh ranked 54th overall in the country, legit four-star recruit. And let's face it, Colby, Mike Boynton needs some, some good news. It's been kind of uh, nothing but bad news over the, over the summer. So this is a, this is a great deal for him and, and more positive momentum for the basketball program. Yeah, and you had to figure at some point it was coming for Boynton in the basketball program, right? He's just been too good on the recruiting trail. He, he's – He's too good a coach. Guys like him too much for him to not go out and get some guys of value. So uh, getting Brandon Garrison is a big one. Like you said, 6'9". And uh, depending on where you look, some some places have him in the top 55 nationally. Some have him in the top 65 nationally. But either way, it's a big get. And like you said, you're keeping an in-state guy in-state, which Oklahoma State needs to do. Because, yes, Mike Boynton has done a great job recruiting. You're still not Kentucky. You're still not Duke. You're still not Carolina, Kansas, these schools. You need to do the best to not let the best uh, in your state get get out. So uh, good stuff from Mike Boynton. All right, Colby, time for bullets and BBs. What do you got for me this week? Uh, I actually had the domino video down as my bullet, the Mike Boynton domino video, because number one, it's creative. You, you take the domino, lay it down to kind of tease that the commitment is coming. But also – it, it kind of, there's a little bit of symbolism there. Is, is there more coming? He's saying that this is the first domino uh, and then all the other ones are going to start falling. So uh, I was very in, intrigued by the idea of the video. The execution was great. Uh, and now I'm kind of a little bit on the edge of my seat to see what the other dominoes are. Me too. I mean, the guy's proven he can recruit. So we'll, we'll have to see what kind of damage he can do on the uh, recruiting trail. Uh, my bullet goes to... He's a man. He's over 50. Mike Gundy shirtless doing one-handed push-ups in 100-degree heat. Did you happen to see this video? Uh, I did see this video. Mike Gundy is uh, aging like wine. In all seriousness, I hope I'm in as good a shape as Mike Gundy is when I'm 50-something years old. I, I really do. He's and aging like wine. I wasn't joking. He is aging like wine. He's got – he is aging like wine. He's got – a great head of hair. You know, most men are lucky to keep their hair at all by the time they're his age. He's got a tremendous head of lettuce. He's still in shape. He's winning as big as he ever has. He's got the big 12 back in a good position. I mean, Mike Gundy deserves all the bullets right now. And he hasn't had to, you know, he's, he's zero and zero this year. So there's nothing to complain about. So Mike Gundy gets my bullet. Uh, yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, yeah, most of us aging like milk, not Mike Gundy. Uh, he looks great. So that's a good one. Carson for my BB. You know, we love all of our former Cowboys here on the Pistols Firing blog. But when you do something to get made fun of, got to make a little bit of fun. Our guy Taylor Gooch compared the uh, Live Portland event to the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, prompting a slew of social media response uh, in which he has been uh, getting – poked fun at a little bit this week uh deadspin had a, uh, a headline earlier this week the saudi golf tour idiocy continues to abound justin thomas uh took a little shot mckenzie hughes took a little shot on twitter it uh 
I, I think that he was trying to say positive things about what was happening in front of them, and he just took it a little bit too far uh, with the Ryder Cup comparison. So uh, going to have to give our guy Gooch my BV today. Man, Taylor needs some talking points. You know, I'm a PR now. <laughs> he just needs to give me a call. We have mutual friends. Um, I couldn't believe when he had months or a, over a month to think about that first press conference. He got up there and said, well, I'm, I'm a golfer. I'm not that smart when asked about yeah. the Saudi stuff. That, yeah, that was a little That's tough. not what I would have gone with when I had time to prepare. You know, I would I'd prepare some talking points about how the Saudis uh, fund a ton of sponsors on the PGA Tour. I would talk about the talking point that Ian Poulter said, where he said, I've played worldwide for 25 years. How's this any different? I would have come with a little bit more valid talking points, and I certainly wouldn't have compared live to a Ryder cup that I haven't played in before. So I, I think that's a, uh, that's a valid, uh, that's a valid BB. Uh, my BBs goes to anyone again, who ever criticizes Sam Presti. Oh, the dude just is without a doubt, one of the best GMs in the NBA. And you still hear people all the time. When are they going to, if they keep losing, they got a fire press. No, they do not. Like <laughs> that would be the dumbest decision ever when you have one of the best gms you hang on to them and beg them to stay he nailed it with chet holmgren i think jalen williams is a flat out stud from santa clara uh just the guy nailed it again usman jing we'll see but he stuck to his guns with chet i was kind of curious if they should draft jabari uh, i was really questioning the josh giddy pick and presti just he knows what he's doing man i uh Got to give it up to him because the Thunder have some young studs and he's going to keep drafting them. So, yeah, I think Thunder year, fans are excited. Yeah, last year I was not not totally in on Giddy mainly because I was so disappointed that they ended up so far down the line and had no chance to get Cade. Uh, so yeah, I was just kind of out on Giddy because I wanted Cade. So uh, you know, whenever you go to the store expecting to get your your name brand and all they have uh, is the best value, then you get a little bit disappointed. But it turns out that the best value in the draft might have been Josh Giddy because he's a great player. Uh, this draft though, I was Team Chet all the way. My theory is if you're in Oklahoma City, you're a small market, right? What do you need? You, you don't need a Jabari Smith who's going to be a really high-level role player in the league. You need a freaking superstar if you're ever going to win a championship in a small market like Oklahoma City. You need a guy who can be an MVP caliber player. And I don't know if Chet's going to be that. His body might break down. Maybe he doesn't develop. I don't know. But his ceiling is the highest. And, and if you're in a small market, I always draft the highest ceiling, and to me, that's Chet. So uh, it was fun to watch him have some guys on skates the other night, hitting some pull-up threes. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, he came back to earth a little bit in, in the following game, but that's fine. I thought when you dominate at the level he did in literally every aspect of basketball, I don't care who the summer league roster he's playing against. It, 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 it showed me something. And also the day two regression, Carson, it's like a golfer who goes out and shoots 61. And then the next day, the same guy shoots 72. It's not, I mean, you can't just go out and produce the absolute best performance. Every time you tee it up, every time you take the court, there's going to be games, you know, rounds where you dominate uh, and games where you don't. So yeah, not, not having a great game too is not a concern. I'll never forget sitting courtside at what was then the Ford Center, now Paycom Center, for the Big 12 Championship Basketball. And watching Kevin Durant play the five for Texas and blocking shots at the rim, running the floor, hitting threes, it looked very, very similar to what I saw in 07 
watching Kevin Durant. Obviously, I'm not sitting here saying Chet is Kevin Durant. I just think it's an apt comparison when you consider their their height, their length, their really ball handling ability and shooting ability. That they've drafted a player that is so unique. I I thought Presty nailed it. I thought you know I, I'm with you. I think. That was my concern. I, I had Jabari third. I thought Bancaro, Chet, and then Jabari because Jabari to me, I, he has way more potential to turn into like a Trevor Ariza than the other two guys. You know, a really good role player, hits threes, plays defense, but can't do much else. So I, I'm with you there. So Presti nailed it. He gets he gets uh, he gets uh, all the um, accolades, and I get myself a BB for disliking Giddy because he looks like a man amongst boys against those summer leaguers, and he's younger than most of them. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he's still 19 years old, by the way. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely nuts. All right, Colby, well, enjoy your weekend. Get us out of here. Yeah, great stuff. We'll see if we have any more news break between now and uh, the next time we record. School's Come on down, Arizona. Come on hey, down, Utah. Somebody walk the runway. We've got a great conference waiting for you right here in Central America. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again. Have a great weekend. As always, go Pope.